6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of 1 Chronicles, chapters 26 through 29. And Hushai the archite was the king's companion, and after Ahithophel was Jehoiada the son of Benaiah, and Abiathar and the general of the king's army was Joab. Okay, that's the dreary public record of David's final, you know, his, his organizing the nation. Chapter 28 and 29 are his final message. 28 is his final message of instruction, and, his, and 29 will be his final exhortation to all of us. 1 Chronicles 28.1, And David assembled the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, the captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons, with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men, unto Jerusalem. It was a general assembly. He got them all. All that we just read about in the last few chapters. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren. And my people, as for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war, and hast shed blood. Indeed, David did. He was, after all, an outstanding warrior. David continues, Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. David was very conscious, and he's here documenting the fact that he was very aware of the fact that he was selected. Not because he had any merit, this is just God's will, but it was determined long before, uh, actually even before there were twelve tribes and so forth. Judas picked from the beginning, and on it goes. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, shall, he shall build my house and my courts. For I've chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. We'll discover in the next chapter what really was going on is that uh, Adonijah, who was, uh, felt that he was next, he was, he was older than Solomon. Solomon was a young guy. He felt he was due to be the king, and he was starting to plot and de declare himself as king. And the prophet Nathan, along with Bathsheba, talked David into acting now to head this off. And so that's why David takes Solomon and, and sets him up as king before David dies, just to head off Adonijah and all of that. We'll talk a little bit more, more about that when we get into Solomon in the next session. But anyway, uh, David here is announcing in this general assembly of the, the nation is uh, uh, assembled there that uh, 
God said in Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, this is David quoting God to the people, moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. Did they do that? Did they keep the commandments? See, that's, the, that's one of the root problems in the Middle East today. He continues, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Wow. Forever is a long time. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, and of the houses thereof, and of the treasuries thereof, and of the upper chambers thereof, and of the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat. We'll go on here in a minute, but I want you to keep this here, some very important points that most people miss. The temple was not Solomon's. We call it Solomon's temple. Yes, he built it. You could look at him as the general contractor. But the guy that paid the bills in advance and had the plans directly from God was David. If we had our way of labeling things, we'd probably call it David's temple. That'll confuse people because David died before it was built, right? But there's something else I want you to notice here that many people miss. The upper chambers thereof, fair enough, and of the inner parlors. We'll get into that next session. And of the place of the mercy seat. What is the room called where the mercy seat resides? The Holy of Holies. We tend to use the term Ark of the Covenant connotatively. The Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat which sits on top of it. We tend to look at it as a lid. But if you study the Bible carefully, you'll discover they are never mentioned together. That... They're, they're distinct. There's the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. Often we'll speak of the Ark connotatively implying, of course, that the Mercy Seat's on top of it. Okay. But it's interesting to notice how often the def definition of the Holy of Holies is the location of the Mercy Seat. So obviously the Ark of the Covenant's there. You follow me? It's a distinction that will become very significant to us when we, before we finish Second Chronicles, because we're going to highlight some things that have escaped notice by most Bible scholars to this day in the Scripture itself. This is what I'll call David's temple. We call it Solomon's temple. This is a rough sketch of the basic concept. And we'll develop this a little more structurally when we get in the next session. But it's obvious, it looks just like the tabernacle did architecturally, except there's a couple of things added. There's a porch with two pillars in front of it. And there are uh, side chambers, and those are significant. Side chambers are three stories high, incidentally. So that's a quick picture of the, uh, of the uh, Psalms Temple. We'll talk more about it in the, next, in the next section. And the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit gave David this design. 
that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and all the chambers round about and of the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the treasuries of dedicated things. Also for the courses of the priests. Ah, those were designated by the Holy Spirit. The courses of the priests and the Levites and for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord and for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord. We have of gold by weight for things of gold, for all the instruments of all manner of service, silver also for all instruments of silver by weight, for all the instruments of every kind of service. Even the weight of the candlesticks, your King James says. And in general, I don't mess with the King James, except this is one that I'm just trying to disconnect from, because the term in the Hebrew is menorah. What is the menorah? It's not a candlestick. It's, a, it's the national emblem of the state of Israel. It's fed by olive oil and a little olive oil lamps, if you will. If you've seen the ones that the, you know, the, the Temple Institute has actually built the menorah for the next temple. And you can actually, in gold, and you can actually see it in, in Israel. And uh, anyway, so that's one place I put it in little brackets. Uh, I, your Bible may say candlesticks. That just bothers me. So I give the weight for the lampstands of gold. And for the lamps of gold, and by weight, every lampstand, and for the lamps thereof. It's a branch, and on each branch is a, one of these little oil lamps on each one, not a candlestick. That's a carryover from the King James provincial, provincialism. And for the lampstands of silver by weight, both for the lampstands and also for the lamps thereof, according to the use of every lampstand. And by the weight he gave gold for the tables of showbread, and for every table, and likewise the silver for the tables of silver. And pure gold for the flesh hooks and the bowls and the cups, and for the golden basins he gave gold by weight for every ba basin, and likewise silver by weight for every basin of silver. And the altar of incense we find gold by weight, and gold for the pattern of the chariot, of the cherubims that spread out their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Whew. Very interesting how those wings cover the Ark of the Covenant. The artists always have these wings up and high. It never occurs to them to have them down so it becomes a mercy seat. But that's a whole other thing we'll get into later. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. What does that mean? I don't know. I suspect what it means is he was in a trance like a dream and the Lord actually guided his hand as he sketched out and wrote all this. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. One of the things we've discovered by computers is the Torah, the books of Moses, were given to Moses letter by letter. If you change one letter, the mathematical properties fall apart of the Torah. Fascinating. So this is an analogous kind of thing here, apparently. David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. It's interesting, though, we'll discover when Solomon takes over, he waits four years before he starts. Then he knocks it off in seven and, does, and builds a temple. Then he spends 13 years building his palace. I think that's kind of indicative of something. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. And there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man, for any manner of service, and also, and also the princes of all the people will be holy at thy commandment. Wow. That sounds pretty good, Solomon. Chapter 29. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation. He spoke to the leaders so far. That was all addressed to the leaders. Now he speaks to the congregation at large. 
Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for the things to be made of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and the brass for the things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and the wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones, and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance, even three thousand talents of gold. You're talking billions of dollars equivalent here, by the way, but I'll spare you the arithmetic. Of the gold of Ophir, and the seven thousand talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the houses withal, the gold for the things of gold, and the silver for the things of silver, and all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? He knew that the people needed to own part of it. So he paid, he had all, he had it all in readiness, but he also asked them to contribute. And they do willingly. It's really, they, they follow his example. He really gave of himself. These were his funds he's committing here. And uh, he's asking them to do likewise. And uh, it's interesting when you hear gold, silver, and precious stones, that should remind you of 1 Corinthians 3. Because your life is divided into two parts, wood, hay, and stubble and gold, silver, and precious stones. And they're going to be tried by fire. And if it sustains that fire, that'll be, that, that's something that will have value. Up in my office, I have two walls. On one wall are all my corporate things, the companies I took out of bankruptcy, and the pens of major contracts we signed, and all kinds of typical corporate balderdash all over that wall. On the larger wall, in front of my, there, are all the ministry things copies of most of the briefing packages, books that we published, and pictures of key events in our history here at K-House and whatever. Right in the middle is my bride. But The one wall at the top is labeled wood, hay, stubble. This one is labeled gold, silver, precious tones. It's really there, by the way. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands of the hundreds and the rulers of the kings of work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams, and of silver 10,000 talents. And of, you know, a talent is roughly 80 or 90 pounds. Give you a feeling of what a talent of gold is, you know. If we had anyone here as a talent of gold, you're in very comfortable retirement. Eh? Of silver 10,000 talents, of brass 18,000 talents, and of 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found, gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because the, with perfect heart, wow, don't you wish that could be said of us? With perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, o Lord God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. And thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand is, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. This is David talking. 
But who am I, and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Boy, how often I remind myself that every good thing in your life, even to the smallest item, is from the hand of God. Boy, do we need to just remember that. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, and we're all our fathers. Our days on the earth are but a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart, and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. O Lord God of Abram, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee. Interesting, the Lord God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, we always say that, right? You'll notice if you study your Bible carefully, when Jacob is walking by faith, it's Israel. Usually when someone's name's changed, it stays changed. Not with Jacob. It's Jacob sometimes, Israel another time. If he's, if he's doing good spiritually, it's Israel. But most of the time, he's in the flesh. So it's God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm glad it's in Jacob, because that way I can be included in that. Okay? I was walking through a hotel lobby once, and someone said, Hey, there's Chuck Mister in the flesh. And I turned and said, He's always in the flesh. <laughs> Hope that's not really true. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the hearts of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee, and give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart, to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord our, your God, and all the congregation bless the Lord God of their fathers, and bow down their heads, and worship the Lord and the king. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord and on the morrow after the, that day even a thousand bullocks can you imagine that and a thousand rams and a thousand lambs with their drink offerings and sacrifices in the abundance of all Israel and did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness and they made Solomon the son of David king the second time and anointed him unto the Lord to be chief governor and Zadok to be the priest then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father, and prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. He's less than 20 years old, by the way, at this point. Some say 16 to 18, maybe. And all the princes, and all the mighty men, and all the sons likewise of King David submitted themselves unto Solomon the king. And the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel, and bestowed upon him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. Thus, David the son of Jesse reigned over all Israel. And the time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years that he reigned in Hebron, and 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. And he died of a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor, and Solomon's son reigned in his stead. Now the acts of David the king, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, and in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the book of Gad the seer. With all his reign and his might, the times went over him and over Israel, over all the kingdoms of the countries." So you can just see this book tied off. This last couple of verses, is you can tell a book is closing, you see? The closing of the book. That is. So we have some lessons here. We've been able to sneak through with a little time here. 
You and I can't build him a temple like Solomon did or like David did. But we can offer him a temple, a temple of ourselves. Seven times in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit says, you are the temple of God. Paul uses that term, but so does Peter, so does James. We're going to explore a little bit of that next time. So what I'm going to give you a little assignment to do when you get a chance is to reread chapter 29 carefully. I realize the previous chapters are pretty dreary reading. I'm not suggesting they're going to be on the final exam. But I do suggest you read chapter 29. And notice how the people gave. Then what I'd like you to do is read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We'll skim through it here in a minute. And notice how Paul taught many of the same things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we do not to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so that he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith, in, in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. In other words, in giving. I speak not by commandment, by, but by occasion of the forwardness of the others to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And here I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye be burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, and that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. That is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, that, and, that, and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord, a declaration of your ready mind. Avoid, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Sounds like James talking, not Paul, isn't it? And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, and or our brethren be inquired of, that they are the messengers of the churches in the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them, and before the churches, the proof of your love and our boasting on your behalf. 
And he continues in the next chapter. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know that the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain on this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort you, brethren, that they, that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according to as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a hilarious giver. That's what the Greek word actually says. Cheerful is a little understated. Hilarious is closer to the translation. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now that he ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causeth through us Thanksgiving to God for the administration of the service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Well, by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, of course, of Jesus Christ. That's Paul's summary, and it seems a, a, a fitting summary of David's final exhortation to his people. In the next session, we start the reign of Solomon. And I want you to read Second Chronicles, first four chapters for next time. You can find the equivalent passage in 1 Kings, a lot more detail perhaps, 1 Kings 1 through 11 for next time. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.